Amen. Good morning. Um, we're we're going to get started. Um, if you if you turn with me to John chapter fifteen, um, we're we're in a series called Saturate, and uh, the the title of the message today is Abide. And uh, we've been talking about what it means to host the presence of God, not just uh, at church in like a church service, but like in our community, in our place of employment, uh, in our families, and uh, in, in our own in our own in our lives, and what that looks like. So, John chapter fifteen. Um, I know you're just standing, but would you mind standing with me as we receive as we honor the uh, the reading of God's word? Um, before we get started, John chapter 15, I just want you to understand Jesus is talking to his followers, disciples, and um, he's not just talking to a crowd. And so he's not, he's not talking about how to get saved. He's actually talking about how to grow deeper in him. And uh, it's a very interesting scripture. You may have read this before. John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. He says this, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living, that it, uh, it changes us if we allow it. And so we don't want to just read your word. We want to uh, receive your word. And I pray that we wouldn't leave this place the same. I pray, I pray that, that you would make us, mold us, break us, uh, make us look more like you. And uh, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that your word does the heavy lifting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks. Um, so Jesus uses this kind of odd illustration uh, about fruit and um, He's talking about spiritual growth and what that looks like and, and how spiritual growth should look like in the life of a believer. And it's interesting that we usually, when we talk about growth, we usually uh, use, uh, talk about like personal success, you know. We, we measure our, our personal growth by things like money, money that we, that we make, the, the followers that we draw, the positions that we hold, the jobs that we get, the, pos the possessions that we acquire, like all of those things kind of give us like um, metrics to kind of figure out, yes, I'm successful, I'm growing, I'm successful in some, some area of my life. But it's important to understand as we look down through John chapter 15, and as really as we look throughout the Bible, that, that God measures growth by fruit. It's different than success that, that the world tries to convince us is, is worth chasing after. Actually, if you go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 
the, like Jesus goes and, or God, you know, he makes all, the whole world. And then um, when he makes humankind, the first thing that he says to humankind is Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. He says these words, be fruitful and multiply. And I would argue that he's not just saying like, hey, you propagate the species, like keep this thing going, right? Made, you, made two of you, you can make more. Like he's not, just, he's not just talking about reproduction. He says, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, you are responsible to produce fruit in your life. That is what, that is what the Lord is looking for. And, and you use that fruit to sow seeds into the next generation. And yes, it has to do with reproduction, but it also has to do with re- reproducing his heart in this world. Um, the benefit of fruit is that it always exists for the, for the benefit of others. You never see a tree eating its own fruit, right? That would be weird. It, that's cannibalism at best, rotten at, at worst. Like, it's just weird. Um, fruit exists for the benefit of others. And we read this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit, and he says this. In verse 19, he starts out talking about not the fruit of the Spirit, the acts of the flesh. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. We all kind of seen this. Uh, Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Wow. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit are these, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So in other words, he's like, it's through the Holy Spirit living in you, you are called not to work in the acts of the flesh, but to work in the power of the Spirit, and you're to be contagious. You're to have a life that is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things, which means that, that you should be out-loving and out-tipping and out-peacing and out-goodnessing and out-faithfulnessing. Like, you get it. Like, we should be doing um, that in the world. And where we get messed up, um, and this is, this is kind of a difficult thing for us, like, as, as Christians, where, where we kind of get off track, and I'm not saying that all of us fall into this, but we get off track when we try to produce the fruit of the Spirit by the acts of the flesh. Um, what I mean by that is like I'm, I'm trying to do love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control out of my own flesh. And what you end up with is completely and utterly frustrated. And when you try to live the Christian life that way, trying to be like, I'm going to love people, I'm going to be patient with them, I'm going to have peace and patience, Right? be patient. I'm going to try darn hard to be patient, right? We, we get so frustrated. But, but here's the thing that Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, he clearly points out and pointedly uh, defines that, that these are the things that you can produce in the acts of the flesh. And then these are the things that can only be produced through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And this is kind of this distinction that he draws. And, and this is why you don't like religious people. Because they're trying to accomplish in their own power, what can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is it comes off and it smacks of fakeness and and judgmentalism and inauthenticity. Why? Because they're trying to accomplish something that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit through their own grit and willpower. 
And, that, that, that's, and, and that's where we kind of get off. And even in, in the Christian walk, we try to start doing that which can only be done through the power of God in our own power. And Jesus' answer in John chapter 15 is so simple that it's frustrating. Like, it's, it's so just blanketly obvious, and, and yet um, I, I find that I get frustrated by it. There's two words that keep getting repeated. We just read verses 1 through 11, and you might have noticed there were two words that literally he just kept saying them over and over again. The first one is fruit. He says it nine times in 11 verses. He's just like, you know, you want to bear fruit? You know, he, he literally, if you read through verses 1 through, I think, 17, you'll see that he literally kind of takes us on a pathway of like, okay, in the, in the flesh, you bear no fruit. You get saved, you start bearing fruit. And then you bear more fruit, much fruit, and then fruit that lasts. So you go from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit to fruit that lasts. Literally, he, he kind of takes us on this pathway of how this is supposed to look in the life of a believer. But there's this other word that gets said even more times than fruit, and it's this word remain. If you've got a New King James Version, it's the word abide. That's what I call the, the message today, abide. And it's this, he says it so many times that it gets a little awkward and a little like, like you're kind of like, what, what is he saying? Because he keeps saying, remain in me as I remain in you and you remain in me, then you remain and fruit that remains and all these remains. And, and we get a little like confused in it. But there is undoubtedly a connection, what Jesus is telling us, between abiding in him, remaining in him, and producing the fruit of the Spirit. Those two things go hand in hand. So this word remain, the Greek word is actually the word meno, and it, it can be translated a couple different ways. It can be translated to continue, to dwell, to be present. And just like what we talked about last week with the, the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River and having to walk into the water, it can be translated as the word stand, to stand. And I want to encourage you, Christian, like, We don't hear this very often in, in, from pulpits in America, so I, I want to be careful of how I say this. Because a lot of times we teach a, a gospel that seems much more like a sin management program where you have to do good and not do bad and don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls who do. And, um, and, then, and then you'll this, this is what Jesus likes. He likes it when you share. He likes it when you're nice to people. And he doesn't like it when you steal things. And so we live in this life of kind of almost like I'm trying to do good in the acts of my own flesh. And, and here's what I want to say is this, that your struggle may not be so much about unforgiveness or pornography or anger or whatever that thing is for you, the struggle that, that, you're, that you, you, know, you feel like you're currently in. It may be that you're not abiding. Because sometimes we make it about the sin. Jesus never made it about the sin. In fact, he wasn't that impressed with our sin. We're a whole lot more impressed with our sin. We get focused on it. We have support groups around specific sins. And God's like, no, 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 listen, I just need you to abide. Like the actual, the, the progress of growth in the Christian life has much more to do with remaining in him, with being present with him, with abiding in him than it has to do with, I need by my own willpower to stop doing this and start doing this and stop doing that and stop looking at this. When Jesus is like, I just actually need you to start abiding and stop trying to accomplish in your own power what can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's huge. That's huge when we can grab a hold of that through abiding in Christ. 
Um, 22 years ago, I was thinking about this, 22 years ago, I fell in love with, with this beautiful girl, Katie, and um, <laughs> she's here in the service. She wasn't in the last service. So um, I remember I was 20 years old, and, uh, and I wanted to ask her to marry me. I had nothing. I was working at a pharmacy. I had no money. I scraped up enough money to be able to buy a diamond ring, and I uh, had it in a little box, and I remember for probably three to four weeks, I carried that little box with probably the most expensive thing that I own in my coat pocket for three to four weeks. Now, I don't understand why. Like, even to this day, I'm like, why didn't I just, like, leave it in the house or a closet or someplace safe? I literally carried it on my person all day long, right? And what I found was this. I would be walking around, and I would just be touching it all, all the time. Like, if you have something really, like, significant in your, on your possession, you touch it, right? You're just making sure. It's still there? Okay, it's good. Yep, okay, we're good. And I was sure that people noticed. I was sure that Katie noticed because, I, I mean, literally, three to four weeks, I'm just like, just touching it all the time, making sure it's there. I'd walk into places and be like, can I take your coat? I'd be like, no, I'm good. It's chilly. It's chilly in here. I'd just be like, I'm good. I'm all, I'm all good, right? And I, I, I would, I, I'm not saying that it was a smart thing for me to do, but it was something that I was just, and I was young and I was excited and I, I was, here's my point. I was consciously aware of what I was carrying. Consciously aware of it remembering and checking that the ring was still abiding with me. And when we are aware that we are carrying the presence of God, it can't help but change you. It can't help but change what you do, what you say, where you go, what you wear, how you speak. Like, every aspect of our life is why? Because we're aware of what we're carrying. And Jesus is saying that the growing power in our life is found in remaining conscious of what you're carrying. Abiding. Being present with him. Right? I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus doesn't reside in this room. When you leave, he goes with you. And when you come here, it's awesome. Because he shows up, right? Because you bring him here. So, he, so if, we're not, if we're not careful, we can fall into this kind of religious mindset where we believe that Jesus and God likes to hang out in like holy places or with holy people or at holy events, but he resides in us. And we carry the presence of God everywhere we go. And so when two or more are gathered, that's like double Jesus, right? That's awesome. Right? We're like, wow, it's such a mystery where two or more are gathered. No, it's not a mystery. It's like one plus one is two. Like, that's awesome, right? More Jesus, right? So, so when people gather and, and, and we carry Jesus, then, then that just means more Jesus. So it's, it's not this mystery. It's actually just kind of math. And so there's this, there's this, uh, there's this prayer that has been rolling around in me. It's the prayer of St. Patrick. And there's a portion in it. I just want to read it. I think it's a good reminder for us. It's a good reminder for me. And this is how it goes. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Are you aware of what you carry? Are you aware of it? Are you abiding? So I want to drill down on this and, uh, and just take, walk down through what it is that, that, that Jesus is speaking to his followers. Verse 1 and 2, he says this, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now catch this last part. 
it's kind of disconcerting. He says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So this is the hard truth that we have to grasp. God rewards fruitfulness with pruning. <laughs> to which I'm like, I don't want to be fruitful then. Or not too fruitful. Not that he comes around and snips me, right? Like, I, I, I'm, I, or, or just don't reward me, right? This one's pro bono. Like, I'll, I'll, do, I'll be fruitful, but you just, just, yeah, you do you, I'll do me. You don't need to prune me, right? But here's, here's the reality is that pruning is not a punishment in the kingdom of God, even though it feels like it. I don't know if you've ever been that place where you just feel like, man, I just feel like God is just like snip, 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 snip. And all these things are kind of being like, I feel like he's holding me back. I don't know if you ever felt like that. Like, I don't understand this, but I feel like, like God is just continually pruning me and holding me back. But really, if we look at it, pruning is for our protection. It's not a punishment. Why? Because, our, because sometimes our giftings can take us to a place where our character can't sustain us. And God has to kind of come alongside and just give us a little bit of a snip. And just say, I, 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 I see what you're doing, but I just, it's a little misdirected. And I, I'm just, I'm not holding you back. It's actually for your protection. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Why would he do this? Why? Because passion and zeal are great things unless they're misdirected. Unless they're misdirected. And so sometimes he comes along. So in Luke chapter 9, there's this story. You should read it later. He, I'm going to give you kind of the, the thumbnail sketch of this. Um, James and John and a couple of the other uh, disciples, we're not sure which ones, they go into some, this Samaritan village. They, they go ahead of Jesus. And they, they're not received in this village. They're kind of kicked out. They're rejected from this village. And so they turn around, they go back to Jesus. And they're like, hey, Jesus. And this is the question they ask Jesus. Jesus, um, should, should we send fire from heaven to that village and burn them all? I'm sure Jesus is like, oh, guys, what? Like, in essence, he just turns to them and gives them kind of a little bit of a pruning. Like, like probably like, guys, I love the zeal, but it's a bit misdirected, right? Like, love the fact that you have so much faith that you just say like, ah, oh, fire down. But it's a little bit crooked, right? And sometimes God comes alongside of us and he's like, I love the zeal and I love the passion, but I just, you're, you're just growing a little crooked here. And I'm just, I need you to grow here, not here. I need you to actually be fruitful in the place that I've placed you. And it's not to hurt you, it's to help you. And then he continues in verse 3. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That word clean and the word prune are essentially the same word. Really, essentially the same word. Can I encourage you, church, to allow the word of God to prune you so that you don't grow crooked? We, we have a generation of Christians that aren't in the Word of God, and they're growing, but they're growing crooked. Because unless we're in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to prune us and to clean us, we can be growing a leafy life, but it's not necessarily a fruitful life. It's not necessarily a place where God's saying, like, actually, I need you to submit to my Word so that I can clean you and prune you so that you're more fruitful and not just leafy. Not just growing out there and kind of doing your own thing, but I need you to be fruitful. Why? Because that's what I've created you to do. Genesis 1.28, let me remind you, be fruitful and multiply. Allow the word of God to prune you so that you don't be successful in things that don't matter. 
And if we're not careful as Christians, we, I, I watch this, we kind of we spin around, we're doing a whole lot of good things, a whole lot of good things, a whole lot of good things, and we're, we're serving, we're serving, we're serving, we're giving, we're, but we're not, not, we're not necessarily being fruitful because we're becoming successful in that which doesn't matter. We're becoming successful in the things that God hasn't necessarily ordained us to be fruitful in. So don't, don't, just, don't just be like, yeah, I, 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 I'll be okay with success. God says, no, I want you to be fruitful. And it's only through pruning that we grow deeper roots and greater fruit. This, that's the hard part. And then in verse 4, he goes on, he says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 4 is the first time that he starts using that word, remain or abide. Now, I want you to notice something. He doesn't start talking about remaining or abiding in him until after you've been pruned. Why would he do that? Because he knows that everybody's fine and everybody sticks around and loves Jesus when everything's going right and your bills are paid and Jesus is a great add-on and man, your life is better and easier and holy cow, God is awesome, right? And then you get pruned. You're like, ow, back off, Jesus, right? All of a sudden it's like, mm, that hurt. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to help you. Mm, doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it, right? All of a sudden this got hard. And, all, this, and this, this is what Jesus is communicating to Christians. He's like, when I'm pruning you, it's not punishment. It's to help you. But, but Jesus is saying, I need you to remain stable. I need you to continue standing. I need you to remain connected to me even when you're disappointed. Even when it hurts, even when, even when you're, you're confused or you don't see it or you don't feel it, I'm working. Even when you don't see the benefit, it is for your good. What he's communicating to us is that faithfulness is the basis of fruitfulness. It's, a, it's, it's saying, God, I'm, going to, I, I'm coming to you. I, God, I thank you that you are bearing fruit in my life and I'm allowing and I'm submitting to your pruning because I want to be faithful and it's the only way that I'll be fruitful. And so I'll submit to it. I'll submit to it. We essentially only have one job, church, and it is to be, it's to stay connected to Jesus. Oh, but I gotta do this, and I gotta serve, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give, I gotta read, I gotta pray, I gotta. Yeah, all those things are great. But please don't miss your one job. Your one job is to abide. Don't ever decide that you're going to do a whole bunch of other things and miss just being abiding, connected to Christ. And then in verse 7, he says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He's like, I, I want God's word to remain in you so that means that you're not only hearing it, you're not only reading it, you're not only memorizing it, you're actually applying it to your life. It's this idea that like, God, I'm not just trying to get your word and read your word. I actually want your word to remain in me, which means I'm walking in obedience to it because we will never see the fruit of a word that we hear, but we refuse to obey. It's not just enough to be like, isn't that a great word? Hallelujah. You should read that and put that on a mug, right? That's awesome. It only, we only receive the fruit of a word that we hear when we choose to walk in it, when we choose to obey it, when we choose to say, God, I, I'm not only going to read this and put it on a mug, I'm going to walk it out and live it out. 
So here's, here's, the, here's the hard part that we get to. So it's like, okay, so Pastor Justin, this is what you're saying. Like, okay, we bear no fruit because all we do is have orgies and, and do all this crazy stuff that the acts of the flesh. Okay, fine. And then all of a sudden we get saved. Now, we, now we're bearing fruit. And then he prunes us for bearing fruit. Thank you. And then we, we move on to bearing more fruit, much fruit, fruit that lasts. So all I'm supposed to do is just get saved and then obey. Like this, and then just till I die? Like this is kind of the end goal here? This is where it gets good. Let me show you the end goal. Verse 14. This, this, this is awesome. This is the beauty of, the, of, of what it is that Christ wants to do in us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. It's not just about don't, 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 don't do this, do this, don't do more of that. He says, because a servant does not know what is about his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. So the end goal is to become a friend of God. I mean, that is the miracle of all miracles, that P. Diddley old me and you could become friends of God, that we're not just called to be servants of God, we're to have the mind of Christ, that we're not just servants of him, that we're supposed to be friends of him. Because a servant, we just read it, a servant only does what the master asks him, not even understanding why. So it's like, oh, you're just going to prune me out. Why'd you do that? You'll figure it out, right? Okay, fine, great, prune you again. You know what I mean? Like, we just go through this as a servant. No, he says, a friend walks in relationship and knows what a friend wants without even a word spoken. So, I was talking about Katie and I. We've been married for 21 years, almost. 20 and some years. Not quite 21. Now, here's what happens if you've been married for any length of time like this is that your spouse ends up knowing you better than you know yourself. And, um, and this is where it gets unfair for me as a man, is that I get in trouble for things that I think, but I don't actually say out loud. I kid you not, it is so frustrating. She'll be like, she'll be like you know, stop it. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean I didn't, I didn't say anything? I know exactly what you're thinking. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> that is so not fair. I can't get in trouble for something I didn't say. She's like, it doesn't matter if you said it or not. I know what you're thinking. I'm like, and she's right, of course. So, so I'm, what am I going to do? I can't lie. I'm just like, okay, fine. I'm sorry. Right? But, but we get to this place. And this is what happens if you've been married for any length of time that you start to realize that like, it's not about like, hey, Katie, do you want me to do this? Would you like me to do that? Should I turn left or should I turn right? Where should I go? Where should I do? What makes you happy? What, do, what makes you angry? I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> So sometimes we're just walking through life and I get a glimpse, I get a, I won't say glare, I get like, a, I, get a, I get a look and I know exactly what she's thinking. I know exactly what makes her happy. I don't need to ask her. I don't need to be like, hey, what, what's, what, what's your favorite thing again? What makes you happy? I know what makes her happy. I know what makes her mad. And so there's this thing, and I think that this is, if we can grab a hold of this as Christians, that the end goal of Christianity is not that you just become a servant where we're like, God, do I go to the left or go to the right? Do I, do I go forward or do I go backward? It's coming to this place where St. Patrick knew it so well, where he's like, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to my right, Christ to my left, Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ to lead me, Christ in me. 
Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down. It's like Christ is in every area. Where I go, there he is. If I turn left, there he is. And I don't need to ask him every single thing. I turn left or right, I just start walking. And when you know, when you're abiding, when you're connected, it just, it just happens. So you don't need to make an appointment with him to talk to him. It's a relationship. Matthew chapter, 12, or Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this in the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. In verse 30, I love this. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. When you allow the word of God to abide in you, it will change you. It will change what you want, what you desire, how you act, what you ask for when you're aware of what you carry. So abide in him, remain connected, stand, remain, even if you're pruned. Why don't you stand with me? The, the beauty of, of, of what he says here in verse 11, it kind of brings value to it for us. He says, I've told you this, Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's interesting have you ever noticed that the, the more that you seek after fulfillment outside of Christ, the more disappointed you are? Because you thought that it was going to be that job or that other job or that, that promotion or that car or that home or that thing or that toy that was going to bring you fulfillment that you've been looking for, that was going to do it. But Jesus is reminding us, he's like, the fulfillment that you're seeking is not necessarily the result of our own effort. It's actually the result of our connection to him. In other words, you can get all of these things and still lose your soul. Stay connected to him. And I love how Jesus talks about these two different kinds of joy. I was thinking about it this morning. He says this. I'll read it to you again in verse 11. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's two different types of joy here. He says, there's God's joy and then there's your joy. So I was like, this is kind of your joy, right? Uh, I don't know. You can decide if it's half empty or half full, depending on if you're pessimistic or optimistic. The reality is, here's what I know about my joy. There's not enough for you. And here's what I know about, I got to keep this because people want to steal it. <laughs> um, there's some people who, who draw down on my joy. Some of you draw down a lot. We get to this place where, where our joy kind of just is always in this place of like, I, I, it's always lacking. It's always leaking. And the beauty of what Jesus is saying here, don't miss it. He says, I told you this so that my joy may be in you so that your joy may be complete. Essentially what he's saying is like, I, 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 this isn't about you trying harder or trying to hoard this or not giving it away or allowing people to, you know, steal it from you. I'm actually wanting to abide in you so that I can pour my joy into you so that your joy will be complete. 
In other words, just like we said in communion, you complete me. He's saying, when you abide in me, I'll just fill you up. And the cool thing about that word complete is it actually means to flood. It actually means to overflow. So it doesn't matter. So we get in this place where like our joy isn't something that we're, someone's using it. So you can share it with other people. I didn't do it to you. Don't worry. But here's the thing. When we abide in him, it's not a limited quantity. He says, I want my joy to be in you so that you continually overflow. That what is in you is in, that I am in you and so that your joy is made complete. He continually wants to do that in our life. So here's the thing that I want to ask you today in closing. How many of you just need to get your joy back? And you've been trying to find it in other things, been trying to find it in your fulfillment of, if I could just get this, if I could just change this, if we could just go back to normal, if this thing could happen, if this thing could happen, then, 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 if, then, if, then, just, but what all we're doing is just sitting there just, maybe this will fill back up. And maybe the problem isn't necessarily that you need external changes. Maybe the problem is that you just need to internally abide with Christ and find your fulfillment in him alone. So this is what I want to do today. Before before we go, maybe you just get into a place, a position, a, a place of just receiving. And I just want to pray that we would be aware of God's presence right now, that we would be aware of what we carry. So why don't you just join me right now? We're not going to sing. We're just going to just... We're just going to pray, God, I pray that you would you'd make us aware of you. Be aware of what we carry. Some say that it's in your fullness, it's in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And so, Lord, we repent for trying to find it everywhere else. Trying to find it in things or possessions or money or other people. May we be aware of what we carry. May you guide us because you call us friends. Lord, we thank you that you are more than enough. And everywhere we go, even in places we don't want to be, you're there. We can't hide from your presence. And as Christians, we bring the light of Christ into dark places and to people that don't know you. I pray that Christ would be in every eye that sees me and every ear that hears me. 
before me, behind me, to my left, to my right, above me, beneath me, in me. When I lie down, when I sit down, when I wake up, there you are. Lord, as we walk through our days, as we steward your presence, may we be aware, consciously aware of what we carry. Lord, I thank you that you go with us and that you go before us and you lead us. And you don't call us just to be servants, you call us to be friends. I pray you would have your way in our life. I pray that it is the abiding presence of Christ in our lives that changes us from the inside out. And Lord, I, I repent for trying to change things through my act, the acts of flesh that can only be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we abide in you, Jesus. Change us, mold us, make us, break us, prune us if you need to, so that we can be more fruitful. Not through our own power, but through just remaining connected to you. Our one job. Lord, go with us. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Go in the peace of Christ. Take him with you.